Good afternoon. Uh, the meeting of the City Council's Budget and Audit Committee will come to order. Would the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Jennings? Here. Councilmember Guetta? Here. Councilmember Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? I'm here. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, today we've got two consent items um, a report on the asset forfeiture master plan, and then um, a recommendation to adopt the 2122 uh, operating budget and the 21 to 26 capital improvement budget. So let us begin, please, with the consent calendar. Are there any uh, questions on the consent calendar or any public testimony? I have no public testimony on the consent calendar. Okay. Uh, then motion, to, motion to approve consent calendar, Mayor. Thank you. Dies for lack of a second. No, I was, I was about to second with the comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, if I get a quick question for the city auditor on the uh, community. Go, go. Uh, one is uh, I know we had discussed this issue uh, many times before. Uh, but what what what, uh, what efforts did we use in uh, ensuring that we had um, uh, access points to different languages and getting input on on some of uh, some of the inputs? Sure. So for this project, we did work with uh, our public information officers to get the word out through social media. Uh, we did make the survey when it was available online uh, compatible with. Uh, Google language translate so that it could be translated into I, I want to say uh, it's close to like 100 languages that it can be translated into um, we also um, uh, did oversampling in some of our communities that we know uh, don't participate in the survey as uh, high of a rate as some of our other uh, council districts uh, that way we could have more participation that's on par across all council districts. Um, the overall response that we got this year was a bit lower than what we had received last year. But um, under the pandemic, I think that might have had an impact on, on that. And so I'm, I'm a little bit more curious how, how things will change when we do this again next year. But we did do um, uh, the outreach. We oversampled, and uh, we were able to get results that were statistically significant as a result. Great. Thank you, Mr. City Auditor. No, I, 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 uh, I appreciate that. I know this last year was an anomaly. Um, I, if I could ask if you, maybe we could learn from a couple of efforts, one, the census um, uh, effort, which uh, used a, a combination of community partners to do the, the, the outreach into harder-to-reach communities. I think I think we can double up on some of their out the efforts that are being used from the health equity task force on that. Uh, and I know the census also had its issues. I, I think particularly amongst working with a diverse coalition um, in uh, in some of the communities uh, as well. And uh, but there is a recent effort on uh, getting uh, information out, uh, health information out that we've learned from. So I I think if we if, uh, if we can work with some of the partners uh, at, at the Health Equity Task Force from the county who've been able to use that to make sure that we're sampling those communities that may not have traditional access. I know if I asked my mother to use Google Translate to do the survey, it would be a challenge. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Uh, sure, but but sure. We, we made some significant strides. Uh, the fact that 311 has 17 different languages now, 
great strides. We're moving in the in that direction. So positive direction uh, uh, to the auditor, and, and let's just see if we can partner up on on uh, some other existing efforts when we do the outreach. Absolutely, Mayor. I just had a, a question. Yes, of course. On um, City Auditor, Jorge, I just had a question regarding the uh, the assessment for on the revenues and expenses. Um, on city COVID as we're gearing up for uh, the ARP funds. And um, as I was reading through the report, um, the report I mentioned that there's a, a pro, that y'all are uh, developing a proactive real-time auditing of the COVID-19 expenses um, in, in regards to procedure. And I wanted to know if um, this proactive real-time auditing actually also includes um, demographics, because I know that you'll be tracking um, the expenditures and service, but was curious to know if the demographics were going to be tracked uh, in that real-time proactive um, auditing, auditing of the expenses. As of right now, we haven't uh, incorporated that aspect into the work that we're doing, but I think you bring up an uh, interesting question and something that would be of value. Uh, if you would allow me, let me look into what that kind of would take and whether or not they've uh, collected uh, the type of information that will allow us to do a demographic analysis and get back to you. Yeah, I know it varies based on the service, the funding, the expenditures. Right, um, I know right. when you presented regarding the CARES dollar, um, I did ask during council that as we move forward with the ARP dollars, um, it's just really important that we have that infrastructure in place and maybe this falls on the city manager, um, but I, you know, I think that's really important as we move forward and um, as we prioritize, figure out the process to identify and prioritize the ways in which we're going to spend these dollars. It's really important for me as a councilwoman to make sure that I know exactly where these dollars are going to, like the types of communities um, and what we know from research, community part is hit. And so um, that data is really important to me. So I don't know if um, city manager has a comment on this in particular, because I know Jorge's job is really just to audit the process and to make sure that we're going to be in compliance, that we don't have any fallback. Um, but I think that's important for us as a council to know. Yeah, absolutely. That's that, that's critical to make sure that we uh, spend the dollars in accordance with the treasury and the guidelines that are provided. So uh, once we get the final guidelines for the ARP dollars, we will be bringing this back to the council for a full discussion about prioritizing you know, how we're going to spend these dollars. And part of that conversation can absolutely include what you're talking about, and we can help develop that uh, as a team. And Councilmember Vang, I also preparing for my State of the City address on June the 30th, and uh, what mayors have done uh, in terms of and similar what we did during the CARES Act debate, I'm also going to put out a, and working with the city manager, of course, and the city staff going to put out a set of suggestions for the investment of the um, the American Relief Plan Act dollars. And so let's make sure that we talk. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Mayor. Okay, um, there's been a motion and a second on the consent calendar. Let's uh, call the roll, please. Councilmember Gatta. Aye. Councilmember Jennings. Aye. Councilmember Vang. Yes. And Mayor Steinberg. Yes. All right, that passes. The calendar is passed. Let's move to item three, the asset forfeiture master plan. Okay. Good morning, Mayor and uh, Budget and Audit Committee members. Um, as you know, we've gone over this uh, a few weeks ago, so I'll go rather quickly. 
Um, uh, I am your police chief, Daniel Hahn. And uh, like you said, Mayor, I'll present the asset forfeiture master plan. So uh, per city policy, the police department is required to present before council an annual plan for the expenditure of state asset forfeiture and federal equity sharing um, funding, which is the new name for asset forfeiture for the federal funds. This includes funding for the anti-drug and gang prevention youth programming. So what is asset forfeiture uh, and equitable sharing? Uh, asset forfeiture is equitable and equitable sharing is the result of a court of law determining that assets seized during a criminal investigation are ill-gotten gains of illegal activities. By civil court order, the assets are then forfeited and then distributed among innocent property owners, crime victims, prosecutorial agencies, and law enforcement agencies. The proposed spending plan before you today totals $597,000 plus $1,000 and is consistent with policy, which requires an annual spending plan as stated in the local policy and applicable federal and state regulations. Those allowable uses are uh, in front of you on the screen, but they are law enforcement operations and investigations, law enforcement training, education, travel, and per diem, law enforcement and public safety facilities, law enforcement equipment, drug, gang, or other prevention awareness programs, and support of community-based organizations. So, uh, and lastly, uh, what is under the support for community organizations and drug uh, gang prevention is uh, for the 2021 uh, budget, there's a total of 108,000, a little over $108,000 available to be distributed to community-based organizations that offer anti-drug and anti-gang programming to Sacramento youth. Programs are selected based upon a record of success within our community. Of that total, 83,000 is from state asset forfeiture, which is 15% of the state asset forfeiture funding, and the remaining 25,000, which is a set dollar amount on the federal side, uh, comes from the U.S. Department of Justice Equitable Sharing and Revenue. This concludes uh, my presentation on the proposed asset forfeiture budget. Okay, um, thank you, Chief Han. Um, you know, I look at all these great organizations and say, um, there isn't a whole lot of money in the fund really to, <laughs> to, to fund as many, you know, programs as we want. I mean, this fund is important, but more important is the general fund. But let, let's go ahead on uh, questions from members, whoever wants to dive into the 597,000, go right ahead. And Mr. Mayor, for the yeah, record, I have no callers on this item. Okay. Very good. Mayor. Councilman Guetta. Yeah. You know, again, you know, this is, uh, uh, and I haven't uh, kept up with any kind of recent studies, uh, but I do recall, you know, uh, in my past work, you know, concerns about asset forfeiture and, uh, and you know, just the collection of them and it potentially going to sustain uh, long-term operations when this is revenue that is uh, one time in nature. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the hope is that it's, it's not ongoing in nature. Um, and so I, I guess my, you know, um, you know, as moving forward, I'd like to, for, the, for us to start transitioning a shift in policy uh, in the use of the asset forfeiture funds um, to go less into, uh, you know, the long-term operations and more into, uh, you know, 
if we're going to use them to go for, for capital one-time expenses uh, and specifically uh, more to increase the, the, the drug gang and, and prevention intervention programs. So, you know, um, uh, that I, I, those are my comments for now. I, I, again, I think that we should be uh, moving, moving more towards uh, that at least it, it also, I think it's just good fiscal policy that, um, that operations be based on, on our ongoing revenue, not, not on uh, uh, assessments that we will increase our asset forfeiture. Okay. Is there anybody else? Councilmember Vanger Jennings? No, I think I'm good. Uh, staff did also provide um, some more analysis on just the mandate funding from the state and federal because I had questions around the support for a community-based organization, but I was able to get some guidance on that. So I don't have any questions at this at this moment. Okay. All right. Chief Han, thank you very much. Is there a motion required on this or this is just part of the overall? The overall yeah, there's, there's a, let's see, I believe uh, we have to approve a resolution. We have to approve a resolution, Mayor, but I... I think the only thing I would add, I think in addition to Council Member Guerra's direction, because um, I do agree with him on kind of figuring out next steps on how we move away, making sure they're, because it's, you know, one-time funding and we should be using for ongoing costs to follow up on a conversation. I think with that direction, because when we bring it to Council, I'm sure some of my colleagues will have questions around that, so. Okay, but we're approving this expenditure plan. It's just direction to think about how to utilize the fund going forward. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I'll, uh, uh, I'll move the, the, this to council, Mr. Mayor, with the direction yes. that we begin to uh, look at future budgets that shift the expenditure plan towards uh, uh, our, you know, drug gang and prevention awareness programs and one-time uh, uh, capital needs. Okay. There's a second uh, by Councilmember Vang on that, I assume. And uh, let us call the roll, please. Councilmember Guetta. Aye. Councilmember Jennings. Aye. Councilmember Vang. Yes. And Mayor Steinberg. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. All right. Now let's go to the main event. 15 rounds. This is the adoption of the 21-22 operating budget and the associated five-year capital improvement plan. Madam... Budget Director. Good afternoon, Mayor and Committee members. I'm Don Holm, the Director of Finance. This afternoon, we're here to discuss the fiscal year 21-22 budget and the changes recommended to the proposed budget that was delivered on April 21st. At the conclusion of our discussion, I would ask that the committee pass a motion forwarding the budget to the City Council for adoption. Over the past month, we have presented the committee and council with an overview of the budget, discussed the budgets for the operating departments and capital budget, as well as some changes needed to correct the proposed budget. Based on these discussions, we are recommending the addition of a fully offset position to assist with the Cannabis Core Program, Policy Development and Youth Outreach, 500,000 in funding for the Fuel Network, and 680,000 for women and children's shelter funding to support the five applications received from the city's RFP process. 
Additionally, we're recommending changes to the proposed budget resolution to address the need for a new fund to account for the American Rescue Plan, address potential shortfalls in the fourth R fund resulting from the pandemic by allowing us to transfer year-end savings in the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department to fourth R as needed to close the gap and to perform an equity analysis as part of our CIP development. Finally, during the process, we received 35 questions or requests for information. Responses have been provided to all but six of these requests and are included with the agenda item as supplemental information. The remaining items will be added to the council follow-up log after budget adoption. We have revised the five-year forecast to reflect the changes discussed this forecast represents general fund revenues less expenditures by fiscal year, absent the use of one-time resources. This forecast does not include some of the items brought up by council during the hearings, which were items that were talked about potentially adding, and those would need to be added if council and the committee choose to move forward with any additional changes to the forecast as represented. As reflected in the forecast, despite significant revenue growth, our expenditures are expected to exceed revenues in fiscal year 22 and for the term of the forecast. In May, council authorized a $2.2 million expenditure change in the water fund, which affected the five-year forecast presented in the proposed budget. This forecast represents the status of the water fund based on this change. No other enterprise fund changes have been recommended at this point. Finally, adoption of the budget is scheduled for June 15th. However, adoption will not be the end of our budget discussions as we will be coming back in July for a full discussion on the American Rescue Plan and will continue to provide updates to council throughout the fiscal year as appropriate. This is truly a team effort and I would like to thank the committee, council, city manager, executive team and all department staff that have helped in the development of this budget. I would also like to give my sincere thanks and appreciation to our budget team. Small but mighty, this team has done an amazing job in getting us to this point, and I really appreciate their hard work and dedication. With that, staff from departments and I are available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you again, Dawn, to you and your, your team um, for many months of work that brings us to, to this point. It is largely a status quo budget, um, but we have the benefit of not just 56 million, but over two years, $112 million worth of American Relief Plan Act dollars that we can use to invest in things that we can't necessarily do through the budget because uh, of the, the recovery and the need to balance uh, our books. So there's the good, the good part of the budget season is coming up after the budget. And I look forward to that. Do we have public testimony? I have eight callers on this item. Let's hear. Thank please you. May I, may I have my first caller, please? Welcome to the meeting. You have two, two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. My name is Patricia Burnside, and I am calling um, to ask the, um, the council to support the funding of the Fort Al program because um, we, well, after all 
this situation um, for the COVID and having our kids to stay home, we had to accommodate. Um, I mean, I, in my personal case, I had to accommodate my schedule so I can be um, staying at home with my my, my son. And now that the, we expect that they, they they go back to school, I expect myself to being able to go uh, to work at the same the same hours I was doing it. So I really think um, it's very important that uh, you can help us um, supporting this program so we can have this um, opportunity for us to, to go back and, and support our families with uh, being able to work all the time that we were working before. I thank you. Thank you. That's all my comment. And thank you for listening and, and letting me participate. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. PJ, District 4. I would like to request that you listen to the Measure U Committee recommendations. Councilmember Katie Valenzuela and the People's Budget, whose own survey received nearly four times the participation that the NCS report received and reflected largely similar trends. Among those, even with skewing of questions, labeling police as quote-unquote essential, police received far less support than other categories, including community neighborhood response, including community care and restorative justice and reentry services. Police saw support of 65% combining the top two support categories, which might seem like a good deal of support until you compare it with nearly any other category, while the, the previously mentioned category received 89% support. Community-based mental health and wellness received 91% support. Affordable housing and homeless supportive services received 85% support. Youth parks and community enrichment and libraries received 89% report support. Community investment and neighborhood empowerment received 81% support. Social, economic, and racial equity received 83% support. All of these categories entail community investment as a way of heading off crime, and heading off a number of different negative impacts on local communities. All of these reflect the request by PBS, the Measure U Committee, and Council Member Valenzuela. I request that you keep the police budget at the level of the fiscal year 2019-2020 level, and that you use the savings to fund emergency housing assistance by $10 million to help stave off the worst effects of the ending of COVID and the resultant eviction potential. Increase youth funding by $10 million, Increase the Department of Community Response funding to the tune of $6.5 million, seeing as how you keep dumping more responsibilities on them. And it's either a, a perfect level for failure if you keep on dumping more uh, responsibilities on them without providing them the requisite response as far as people in the office to actually do the work and not just dumping it all on Thank Bridget. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Please do all of these, all the requests by PBS and Measure U. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good afternoon. I'm a resident of District 2. Um, I support the proposed police budget. I oppose any cuts to the police budget. Our, dist our district is inundated right now. Um, we had four people shot this weekend at a party at the PBID parking lot. Um, that was on Saturday. That's one block from our new library. Uh, it, it, whether it's problems with Sure Stay and the homeless 
staying there, um, stolen plants, packages, garage items, uh, Commerce Parkway. We have 100 RVs parked. Uh, they have bikes, vehicles, chop shops, bikes, chop shops. And we've had three meth lab explosions in the last two months. Um, we also have Roseville Parkway. It's like Mad Max. If you go over there in the evening, you will be just amazed. We've had shootings and stabbings there just in this last month. Uh, we can no longer use the bike trail. We can, because of dog attacks, we can no longer use the parkway due to fire concerns. Um, when my family and I eat dinner on our picnic table at night outside, um, we play a game of whether or not that's fireworks or gunshots. Um, it's never been like that. I've lived here 30 years. Um, I support the police and everything that they're doing. Um, and we need to attract more uh, police to the force. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Hi, my name is Tina Eccles. I live in District 2. I'm opposed to any budget cuts for the police. I already feel that they are underpaid, under budget, underappreciated, and understaffed. On a side note, thank you to all the police and their service to not only myself, but my district. Thank you so much. Thank you for your thank comments. You. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Yes, um, I'm calling about the uh, defunding of the police department. Um, my name is Joanne Myrie, and I'm calling for myself and my husband, Warren Myrie. We are in District 2. As far as we are concerned, this is a very bad idea. We need more funding for the police department, not less. I, I don't know how to express it any better than that, other than the fact that we need more police out here instead of less police. This is, um, I don't know. I, I can't understand how defunding the police department is going to help us at all. We don't have enough police to even take a report anymore. That's the end of my statement thank you very much thank you thank you for your comments next caller please welcome to the meeting you have two minutes to address the committee thank you so much members of the council I am addressing you this evening with regards to the budget and specifically with regards to the items relative to the police department as a lifelong member of Sacramento's District 2 area, I am calling to urge you to reject any notion of a reduction in any police budget whatsoever. We have been left with a city that is, has become unconscionably lawless and dangerous to children, adults, and has, has denied us the quality of life that we deserve to have. So please regardless of what you might think about yourself, think about those who actually live here. We urge you, we demand that you do not reduce any police budget for the coming fiscal year. My name is Sandra Betancourt, and I am from District 2, 
in North Sacramento. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Okay, this is Mary Tappel from District 2, and I'm one of the people who organizes cleanups, uh, often by, by youth, um, in, in our parks and in the American River Parkway and along our streams and often in our, our neighborhoods along sidewalks and stuff. And I wa what I wanted to say was uh, that we are absolutely dependent on knowing that the police can, are staffed up enough that if we need to call them, in the rare event, but it does happen, and they are our backup for the American River Parkway cleanups. We've had, had to, in prior years, call them for such important, dangerous things as loose pit bulls with no one around. And we, when we had young kids as young as 10 to protect from, from the dogs. And we've always gotten good response from the police when the rangers aren't available or there aren't enough rangers to spread out. And at Sutter's Landing Park, it's one of the parks that it is the, a city park. And it's also very important that there be a law enforcement response for any people working there. We've uh, been watering some native wild roses and, and cottonwood trees that we planted after another burn. I was just in the Bushy Lake area, and, and those uh, the plantings there, um, again, they got burned um, by, this is by the um, Sac, Sac State student group by Professor, led by Professor Michelle Stevens, an award-winning award-winning project, but all of us are dependent on law enforcement. I would not be able to, in good conscience, conscience uh, attract young, young um, youth, and, and they're usually youth of color, lower income from the neighborhoods, and particularly the North Sacramento area, District 2 area, and they need the opportunity to see their own parks and parkways getting cleaned up, and also to be able to participate in it safely. And we absolutely need the police to be responsive, even if there's um, a, another, uh, like, Thank social you. worker type response. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Uh, yes. We always need the police to be available to back, back us up, or, or we cannot do these cleanups safely. Thank We've you. had to call them. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Daniel Okenfa. I'm a resident of District 4, council member of Valenzuela's district. Uh, hello, Mayor Steinberg, good to see you. And you. I wanted to address um, item four, and this is budget for the fourth R after school, preschool uh, program. I want to uh, echo the recommendations of any of the other callers here and support uh, making 4th R a priority uh, for funding in this budget and for the um, authorization of uh, to transfer available general fund money into uh, this item. 4th R, as you know, is a uh, godsend for working families. It, it enables uh, parents to um, be free to work full employment in their uh, jobs and having quality uh, care for their children um, during the school day. And with the early drop-offs and early pickups, it makes a, uh, a nine-to-five job possible uh, for many of us. So we urge your funding for 4th R. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. And, Mayor, this is the last caller on this item. Okay. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Into, uh, 
Caller, please turn down the device that you're watching the meeting. It's your turn oh, to address the committee. Right. Hi. Um, hi, my name is Gasal, and I'm a resident of District 7 under Rick Jennings. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of District 2 people come in and call that saying that their district is, I mean, for lack, I mean, just everything up to saying that, you know, it's actually some per one person did say that it's lawless and another person did say it's looking like Mad Max. And I just wanted to point out that Del Paso Heights and the Northgate area in Sacramento are two of the poorest neighborhoods in all of Sacramento. And they're both in district two. And I live in district seven in the pocket area, which is one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Sacramento. We don't see anything like that here. And everybody that's, that's pushing for more police, I just wanna remind everyone that if you see more police, that means that your city is less safe. Nobody that sees police feels more safe. If you see police, yeah, that's a sign that like, yeah, I, we I, in pocket, we never see police roaming the city. And honestly, we are overburdening police with so many different things. I mean, I fully support alternatives to 911 because we have police responding to mental health calls. We have police responding to homelessness. We have police responding to domestic disputes. And none of these are situations that police are properly trained for, nor should they ever be trained for it because this does not fall under the duty of protecting, of yeah, responding to, to crimes. These, these aren't crimes. These are disorderly conduct at best. So yeah, I, I would fully support alternatives to 911 and you know taking that out of the police budget because if we don't need to train cops to handle these calls let's put it into getting better better services for people that are undergoing mental health and yeah i want to make sure that we invest our money in equitable community recovery because most of the businesses that have closed down are bipoc community businesses black indigenous and people of color businesses and too often they're local businesses like owned by people from this community from sacramento so yeah, I would like to council, council member Gara. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Please invest in our community. Thank, Thank you for your comments. I have no more okay. comments. Thank you very, very much members of the public for calling in this afternoon. Let's turn it over to members of the committee. I see council member Geta and council member Vang and Councilmember Jennings, and I know I have a few comments myself, so farewell. Um, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, you know, most of these comments I made already during the budget conversation. Um, just to confirm here the way I'm reading this uh, uh, for Parks, uh, Mario Lara, or uh, for Don, uh, that fourth R, uh, you know, I had requested that we make sure that we budget based on, on uh, the hope that we have more capacity and the demand is there and it's a fee-based program. So uh, I wanna make sure that we're, we're moving in a direction that helps us uh, respond to the demand for after-school childcare and support for working families who are trying to get a nine to five day in uh, as well. Is, is, that, is that how this, uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the supplemental, is that how this has been configured, uh, Mr. Lada? Hi, uh, good afternoon, uh, Mayor and Council. Thank you, Councilmember Guerra for that question. Uh, yes, we are. We the, the the way the proposed budget is set up, we are planning on restoring fourth R to pre-COVID levels in this in this year. Um, there, there's flexibility in the language there. Once we have more accurate information, we'll be able to do a budget adjustment 
to match the revenues with the allocation there. But we have all of the staffing that we've had pre-COVID. The program is fully intact, and that is the way that we plan to move forward. Um, all programs will be up and running, um, crossing our fingers. If the, if the public health uh, environment allows for it, we'll be back to pre-COVID levels in the fall. Great, thank you. I mean, I've, I've heard so many uh, you know, stories, including myself today during our 2 p.m. council meeting when uh, we, I had my son here running around and uh, uh, the inability with uh, only having school during certain hours and even, even the, uh, the, uh, the half day program makes it difficult for folks who are working uh, eight, an eight hour day or a 10 hour day. Um, so the one, one suggestion that I'd like us to keep an eye on and Mr. Mir, as, we, as you start, as you mentioned your state of the city address and, and, uh, and how we use this ARP funding uh, one of the benefits of 4th R is because it's a mixture of a fee-based program, one of our, our biggest challenges has been capacity and uh, purchasing portables and being able to have space. So I, I feel like there's an opportunity for us to help uh, people get back to work if we can expand child care capacity. Obviously, 4th R can only do a certain aspect of it. We have many of our child care providers out there. But I'd like us to think through how 4th R, uh, Head Start, uh, our private uh, folks in the industry are working together to address uh, people getting back to work. And, and they can't do that if they don't have a safe place for their kids um, from nine to five. So not only has it been a year of loss for our kids education-wise, particularly in the young age, who maybe didn't have the benefit of being around uh, other, other kids from, uh, nine, from zero to five in that developmental stage, but it's, I, if we're going to make it get our workforce back, we got to address that issue. So thank you, Mario, uh, for that. I appreciate that. So I know a lot of parents called in about 4th R. Um, and we got to continue to push on that. Um, the, the, the second uh, piece here I wanted to uh, bring up, uh, one is on the, uh, uh, on the uh, uh, issue of uh, the 680. I, I just want to better understand this, um, uh, Don, or, or uh, the, the money is for programming for women and children for support services, is that correct? Yes, um, Bridget Dean Shop released an RFP for services for women and children shelters and they received five proposals. The 680,000 was needed so that we could fund all five of those proposals. Okay. Great, well, well, thank you, appreciate that. Look, I mean, uh, uh, in the mid-year budget, you know, I was proud to make the motion and increase the number to $2 million to help this, this effort here because the need is great now. Um, this moves the money, though, away from the housing trust fund. So I just think we need to be, the, the need is great now, but we also need to be planning for long-term permanent housing, which is why, uh, you, know, we, uh, you know, through the mayor's leadership here, uh, we were able to get the largest amount of a housing trust fund that we've seen in the city of Sacramento. Um, and, uh, and as we look at other needs, I want to make sure we don't chip away at the long-term need. Um, that we have of constructing housing, but definitely there's no question that uh, that we have a need for programming now. In which you know again, um, the the the, uh, the uh, glad to move it to two million dollars. Obviously, we need more money to be able to help uh, uh, those in need now. So uh, I'm glad to support that effort there. I just uh, you know want to maybe Mr. Mayor, if you have any thoughts on how we make sure that we don't lose funding from. Uh, and, uh, and, and ensure that we actually get construction. I'll, I'll tell you, we have about 13 homes that are ready to be built for Habitat for Humanity to help 
formerly uh, unhoused uh, families uh, immediately. And that, that's a small gap, but we can do some of that. I don't know, Mr. Mayor, if you have some well, thoughts on that. I, I do. And um, look, at, I understand that um, the Housing Trust Fund, you're right, was intended primarily for capital construction. But I also think that the use suggested here is wholly consistent. Um, and I think that the original $31 million that we put into the Housing Trust Fund was not nearly enough. Right. And so I think it's appropriate to go forward with this, uh, with this proposal because of the urgency and the need and the fact that we had so many uh, good providers apply for the money that we put out there um, and that we couldn't fund all of them and they're all seeking to meet the need. Great. The answer ultimately is to put more money in the housing trust fund. Uh, we will have that first opportunity when uh, we consider the American Relief Plan Act investment uh, decisions in the month of July. And I will give you a little sneak peek in terms of my intentions. And I know I'm one vote, but we're gonna, I want to go bigger on housing and homelessness. I mean, it's the, issue of, it's the issue of our time here. It's the only thing that stands in the way of everything else that we uh, seek to be and to do. And, and so 600, how much money is this now? 600 and $680,000. $80, we will replace that, I promise you, in the Housing Trust Fund. But it's not just a matter of replacing it. We've got to up the overall amount. Great, thank you. And I, I think that's a that's a, uh, an important point here that uh, you know we have to do more. That yeah, any any reduction on that <coughs> is concerning because we have a a, hu a, a huge uh, need. We just had an item in early in the two at uh, the two o'clock council meeting where we have a shortage of housing and, and finding other options so we can have permanent construction of new housing. Uh, it's going to be critical. So. You know, uh, proud to support this effort here. I think the 680,000 adds to the 2 million push to it um, uh, to meet our immediate need. Just want to make sure that we're funding that 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 last piece there. Um, the uh, the the last uh, uh, you know point I'll bring up here uh, on uh, some of our uh, are we are, is capital improvement is that our next item, John? Or is that part we don't have. This is all covered in the one item, Council. The one item, okay. On capital improvement, you know, the, the, over the last year, construction costs have, have dramatically increased. And, and unfortunately, that's caused some of our projects to go uh, over bid price. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, Mario, I don't know if you could talk to this or, or as we come to Council. Um, I'm just bringing a couple items, for example, that this may be happening in other Council districts throughout the city. Where you know uh, the the, the Talic Village Little League uh, uh, fields that have haven't had any any TLC since the since Daryl Slamberg uh, christened them uh, back then, uh, we had we had a, a project to improve them, uh, and then COVID hit, and then the cost construction cost you know uh, basically grew, and there's about a fifty thousand dollars shortfall. So a lot of projects are coming over bid from what we had planned originally. And I'm just wondering if there is a, uh, a a way for us to be able to say, look, let's allocate another, you know, two million dollars into the CIP to make sure that we don't have incomplete projects, uh, that projects that may have gotten to that threshold actually get accomplished with the vision that the communities needed. And I 
And I'd like to do that from an equity lens in communities that uh, may have had, uh, you know, parks that have had deferred maintenance for many years. Uh, maybe they don't have enough open space. We finally were getting out to communities that had never seen them before. All the new growth communities have Quimby fees and, and, and money to be able to build new parks. But a lot of our, um, uh, you know, uh, older communities um, have parks that have uh, had a significant deferred maintenance. So, uh, Mario, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. I know we've seen that a little bit in, in District 6, particularly with our older parks. Thank you again, uh, Councilmember Guerra. Uh, yes, the cost, uh, the increasing cost of construction is a difficult issue that we grapple with um, when we try to execute our CIP projects. Um, the way the way we typically deal with that is on an ad hoc case by case, project by project uh, basis, uh, depending on the nature of the project. Uh, some projects, depending on where they're located and what, what they're actually about, have, have different funding streams available to them. Um, so, but in general, to, to respond to your question, yes, if there were a pot of funds set aside to assist with projects where we don't have um, other alternative uh, sources of revenue, that, that obviously would help to get these projects moving along. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned when we presented our budget is that we have a long deferred maintenance list of projects that are unfunded, um, but we do, we do try to, to get projects delivered uh, throughout the year. And currently our team is working on a number of projects that are funded and we do deliver um, on, on those projects. I, I hope that answers your questions, Council yeah. Member. Yes, it is, it is a, one of the factors that we deal with, um, the rising cost of construction with all of our projects, but we are able to identify solutions in a case-by-case project-by-project basis. So here's what I'd like to see, and I'll, I'll move the staff report to bring this back to council. But, um, you know, Councilmember Chenier and I have been working on the racial equ equity initiative, and, and one of the things that we asked for was that, that uh, CIP come back with the racial equity lens. Where are we doing our investments? I'd like to see uh, if there are projects that are uh, close to completion, that we, we try to focus those in some of the under-resourced communities so that they ensure that, they, that the vision that they were expecting gets delivered. And I think that just meets with our Measure U goals to ensure that uh, you know, we're delivering uh, inclusive economic development and, and, and back into the communities that, that uh, you know, many of them have older parks that, that may have not been, uh, they need that little bit of TLC. Uh, with that, uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I appreciate the staff's work on this. Uh, the, the supplemental answers, a lot of the questions that I had, um, uh, you know, on this, uh, on the issue of fleet management of our vehicle fleets, um, I, I'd like to ask staff if we can through, at some point through the budget, pro the, it, the next time the budget and audit committee meets in the fall, that we have a conversation specifically on fleet management. Today, we had a great press conference with uh, Lion, um, the manufacturers of electric buses that are moving here to McClellan. And they've made our school districts here the largest school bus fleet of the nation. Uh, we should be looking at how the city engages in the electrification movement uh, as part of a better, bigger economic development project where we're manufacturing and creating those jobs here. I know that's part of our staff, uh, staff report, but I'd like to make sure we do that uh, in the long run. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and uh, um, I'll move the uh, staff report. Okay, good. Thank you, Councilman Gedai. I've got Councilmember Vang and Councilmember Jennings. 
Thanks, Mayor. Um, I just have some questions uh, for clarity and comments. Councilman Morgetta actually touched on a few of these items. So let me um, try not to repeat myself. I do have some additional new comments too. So first, uh, I just wanna say thank you, Don, for all your hard work on this. Um, I know uh, it's lots of nice, we are in budget season. So really just wanna thank you and all of the staff working on this, really appreciate hard work. Um, I just had a question and I think Councilman Morgetta asked about this. So it's just good for clarity because I wasn't aware of the 680,000 and I saw that um, in our report um, and wasn't sure if that was a direction provided by council or if it was in a specific district. So good to know that that's actually uh, funding to support the work that Bridget's doing citywide. Um, can I just get confirmation on that? I think that's what council Margetta asked and I just need a clarity on that piece in particular. Council member, the 680,000 was discussed and requested during one of the siting workshops on May 26th and then um, based on those discussions, the city manager went ahead and included that in his motion um, with a transfer from the housing trust fund. So council can approve that or pull it back, but we have included it like we did fuel and the cannabis position based on, you know, discussion by council. Okay. They would have been, had they happened prior to the proposed, they would have been in the city manager's budget. So that's why those were included. Okay, thanks. Um, and I think Mayor and Councilmember Gatta, you both mentioned a little bit about this, but I, I just remember um, uh, in previous council meeting, we talked about having a framework in terms of deciding how we are using the housing trust fund. I just wanted to circle back on that if that's still happening, because I know there's been conversation about creating some type of framework. And I recall that from previous yeah. council meeting. Um, and so just wanted to know what the status is on that, because as I'm looking at this budget, it says this is coming from you. I know we voted during mid-year. Uh, for the housing trust fund, but wanted to know um, if, if there will be a framework created for this as we move forward. Yes, um, there will be. Um, that is, uh, I think, important so that there are some criteria. And yet at the same time, I do think we have to always remain flexible mm -hmm. uh, because of the urgency. I mean, the, the fact that the um, RFP for women and children was oversubscribed. I mean, that there was more demand than the resources we put forward, kind of like the gang intervention issue, right? I mean, I think we have to, it to use the cliche, you know, but meet the moment. And if there's an opportunity to take flexible dollars and use it in a way that gets money out faster, um, then we do it and then we kind of make it up on the back end. And that, you know, I'm the one who should have a real problem with this because I, I, I fought hard for the housing trust fund and thought $31 million was too low. Mm -hmm. And I still do. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm okay with this proposal because we can get more money out faster. And then we'll I guarantee you, we'll put more money in that trust fund. I'm getting five votes to, to yeah. get more money, to get more money into that trust fund. Um, and, uh, and so it's okay because I know the $680,000 is going to get out into the community and help, you know, women and children who are unsheltered and homeless. And it's all part of our, can't all be done seamlessly or, you know, we finish the master plan, then we fund the programs. I mean, yeah. we are, we are planning for the future and also delivering in, in real time. And that's okay. That's, that's messy government here. Yeah. I, yeah. And so I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to piggyback on that. One of the discussions uh, that we're going to be having when, when the ARP comes back to the council is replenishing the housing trust fund. 
And this is really a way for us to fund some yeah. of those programs that the mayor is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in support of funding, you know, women and women and children shelter. I think for me, it's just clarity on processes of of how we, how just how we move forward, right? Um, as a new council member, I just, I think for me, clarity on just the processes is important. Um, so that I, so I know that I'm, I mean, is it, we just make our recommendation straight up. I just, because the conversation was that there was going to be a framework. And so I was waiting for the framework and just wanted clarity on that. Um, but I do understand the flexibility mayor of, you know, meeting the moment and there is an urgent need. Um, but I do think even making sure we have some kind of clarity on process while we're still meeting the moment, I think it's, it's still possible. So just wanted to, to touch base on that. The other piece I um, wanted to ask um, is that um, when I was looking at the agenda, um, I know that my colleagues uh, requested for a plan on what we can reduce and eliminate uh, in the police department. And I didn't see that posted just on the public end and wanted to know um, if this reduction plan was going to be posted and shared before June 15th. It is actually... Um... Donna, I'm, you might want to jump in here too. I can't remember when it was yeah. posted. But, um, all, the, all of the supplemental information has been posted to the agenda. It was added by the clerk yesterday and today. Okay. And it will be posted again with, we will post one complete with the report next week. It won't be a supplemental. We will re-release all of the supplemental budget information um, as part of the adoption report. And, and with uh, any uh, directions from, uh, from this meeting as well, will get incorporated to the final action. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to, I mean, I did receive an email from staff and wanted to just make sure on the public end that the public um, is able to also see that reduction plan that was requested from the council as well uh, for the police department. So I, I didn't see it. Maybe I missed it, but I did get an email, but wanted to make sure that the public got access to that as well. Um, so um, the last question I had is really around um, the equity lens uh, piece. Um, so really appreciate uh, city manager that we're going to begin, you know, developing a tool. And my question is really around a timeline. Um, I think there's been a lot of conversation about this. And I know even in the budget, um, in the item, it says, um, basically, we're going to move forward, but in a way that you know it's is reasonable and so i i want to know if there are actually timelines attached to this because i feel like this is a conversation we have a lot during council and budget um and i absolutely agree with councilmember guerra and really appreciate him and councilmember sharon leading this work um, around using an equity uh, lens and tools to um analyze um budget items as they come forward just really wanted to know if we have a timeline on that um, because right now it's so it's very high level and we talk about it, but I don't I don't see a timeline. I wanted to know what what is a reasonable timeline. Um, so, so Councilmember Bank, the work has started. Uh, we've been working. Our team has been working with the mayor and council to develop this lens. And you know, Lainey's on the call here. She's been yeah. heavily involved with this. Well, what about uh, Lainey Mills? Yeah, Lainey, if you could also give give us an update on the on the request of with contract with uh, Race Forward, who is going to lead a lot of this. Uh, guide a lot of this work here? Absolutely. Thank you, council members, Mayor Laney Milstein, Assistant City Manager. Um, we have been working with a um, group of staff from council member Garrish Chenier um, and uh, Harris, the mayor's office, um, to develop a work plan to implement a tool for the city to use in evaluating um, budgetary requests relative to equity in our community. And we started that effort, if you'll recall, uh, Councilmember Vang, at one of your first meetings in January, 
with consideration of a draft resolution. And we have taken um, our work to develop a time plan, uh, a, a timeline for development and implementation um, of the appropriate community outreach work plan, the appropriate um, plan to develop a shared understanding and definition of equity that will then lead us to finalizing the resolution. Uh, leading to developing uh, measures for outcomes and accountability and our ultimate tool. Um, that work has gone out to race forward as council member Guerra uh, mentioned, they have evaluated that and then last week provided us a scope of work and a budget estimate for that. It's um, their full work plan is 18 to 24 months. Um, and we are in the process of, um, I guess I would actually say 12 to 18 months when you look at the, the dates within the fiscal year 22. Um, we are in the process with staff um, that I mentioned of going through and developing our questions back to them about that timeline, about their cost estimates, to make sure that we fully understand what it is that they uh, intend to deliver to us. And we hope to eventually get to a point where we can engage in a contract with them to move forward on this work. It is a level of work and community engagement that we are not staffed to do right now. And so we hope that we will be able to use Race Forward um, as a tool to help enhance our staffing and, and our ability to move this forward in a timely manner. But right now that, um, the, the finalization of a work plan and a schedule will be dependent on us and, and our ability to negotiate with Race Forward. They did give us a caveat though that they still have to um, have the work plan reviewed and approved by their management. So we are um, engaged with them and we are very hopeful that we'll be moving forward um, in the summer and fall on this effort uh, on behalf of the city. Thanks, Lainey. I think for me, I'm trying to be impatiently patient um, on this. And I really appreciate um, staff doing their due diligence, um, 12 to 18 months. And I know we have to do our best to be very intentional about the community piece um, in coordination with the community on the equity piece. But 12 to, 12 to 18 months just seems it's really long for me. Um, so I will continue to be impatiently patient. Um, but I just know this budget cycle, um, you know, we're not going to be able to have that toll, obviously, because we're voting on this on June 15th. Um, but ideally, I'd like for us to target. And that's maybe this is a conversation back to my colleagues who are leading this work is that we have a tool ready to go before our next budget next year. Um, because I think um, this is, this is we're, we're already in budget season, June 15th, we're voting on this. And um, I could be here and I can talk about, you know, different priorities. I could talk about things I, I want for District 8, but until we have this tool, this equity, this uh, racial equity tool to really help guide us, um, you know, I, I feel like we're not gonna be doing justice to the, to, to the budget. And so, um, and I'm focusing on this in particular because I do think that this will set the foundation on how we govern and how we budget um, in this city to make sure that we don't leave oftentimes communities that have been left behind behind. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know, I, I know we, you know, there are things that are, are out of our control, but I, I do want there to be an urgency around this timeline. Um, I do think, mm -hmm. 18, 24 months is too long. I mean, by that time, the second next year's budget is done already. And we should be gearing up um, with this tool ready to go for next budget cycle. And so anything we can do um, to, to fast track that, uh, I will continue to be uh, impatiently patient, but we need to we need we need to get that tool done soon so yeah, council member, we will certainly incorporate your timeline. Um, um, 
uh, request into our feedback to race forward. And I will just cautiously remind everybody, we are in budget development in January. So we will start that process in six months. And so it's gonna be precarious as to how we fold in a tool that we're developing in real time at the same time. Well, and I, so, I have, a, yeah. Lainey, I have a, a suggestion here too. So the council staff has been working with our team to develop this lens because it's gonna be really important for the council to give us some direction about what this lens needs to look like. If we wanna have something from before the 12 or 18 months, we could uh, work with the council staff and develop an interim tool Yes. For the council to develop uh, and to adopt. I mean, that, that could work as well. It will get uh, informed and updated with this other work that's happening in parallel. I that's mean, exactly. I think, I think that's, that's something we can do. That's exactly what I was thinking. So you beat me to it, Howard. Yeah, it, I, I do think we have the great benefit of, of being able to work with the experts race forward. And I do think it is worth taking the time to do this right and with, with the right kind of depth with the community inside the city. But I think we need to push ourselves to have an interim set of tools uh, by January for, for, for the very reason that Councilmember Vang uh, described. There's no reason why uh, we shouldn't start analyzing these budget proposals, at least in, in, um, at least in the big picture and talking as a committee and as a council about its impact and their impact on our diverse communities and our disadvantaged communities in Sacramento. Um, and so I think we have to strive to do both and, uh, and not wait a whole year or a year and a half before the final tool is developed because people will get impatient and under understandably so. Um, nothing, it, I know from my end, I am not seeking perfection here. It, it, I'm not saying it would be enough, but it would be a heck of a start if on every council agenda when it came to major budget proposals, there was a staff uh, analysis of the impact um, and, a, and a regular time for the city council or the committee to talk about the, the impacts. That would be a start. And not an end, but a start. Yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely work with the council staff. You know, our, our team just wants to make sure we hit the right marks for the council. Absolutely. Uh, this, is, this is this lens that is going to be um, uh, adopted by the council, even on an interim basis. Fair uh, No, so it's fair. But yeah, not, yeah. not yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my comment for now. Um, and looking forward to the full conversation on June 15th with the full council on the budget. So thank you, Mayor. Thank you very much, Council Member. Um, council Member Jennings. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, I'll just kind of finish the conversation on the equity lens and tool and thank Council Member Bang for bringing that up uh, and also um, being uh, impatiently patient. Uh, that, that is a term that I will now use to explain to my family why um, it's not good enough just to be patient. Um, I like that term a lot. Um, but I think, you know, for our city, it's important that we move forward, understanding that every step that we take is continuous improvement. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect in the very beginning. It has to be a start. And we move 
to perfection as we continue to perfect the process. But I do have a sense of urgency as well to get this started so that we can see the positive impact. And not only can the city of Sacramento see it, but the entire region can see the, the impact and they can follow in our direction. So I think it's something that we should be moving on faster than, than slower. Um, I, I wanna go back to the process if I can, and whether it's uh, Laney, uh, Don, and the entire team or uh, whoever can answer the question. Um, we're gonna, the, the adoption of the 2021-22 operating budget and the 2021-26 capital improvement program, the motion has been made to move it forward to the full city council for further discussion on the 15th. Mayor, on the 15th, will that meeting be exclusively for the budget? I don't know that it's exclusively for the budget, but I, th I think it's intended to be a lighter agenda because we're taking up the budget, but it's Correct. generally not exclusive. Yeah, I, and I'm just wondering if we have any idea on how much time we think that discussion will take with all the members of the the council involved in it? Um, I would guess that it's not going to take a long time in part because the pieces of the budget have been presented both to the committee and the city council over the course of the last month or six weeks. And the fact no new issues that I- Yeah, and the fact that it's a status quo budget, but yeah. it would be the last opportunity for us as a council to speak to things that we think should be changed. Is that correct? That is correct. Although technically the city council has the ability any week of the year to uh, take a, any budget item that they choose to take. I mean, we, we, we discipline ourselves to budget, you know, by June 15th and at mid-year, but change circumstances, urgent situations, mistake, anything can, you know, allow us to take up a budget item any week. Okay. So I'll, I'll make the second to, um, to uh, adopt the 2021-22 operating budget if it hasn't been done so already. I don't think it has, but, and the 21, 20 through 26 capital improvement plan. I'll make the second to move it to the full council on the 15th. Um, uh, so that we can then vote on that and have the full council to have a discussion uh, on this. And, and I think it should be a healthy discussion. I'm hoping that we allow enough time for it to be so, um, even with it being a status quo budget. A couple of things I just want to mention uh, today, I thank Member Gang, uh, Gara and Member Vang for a uh, conversation about the Housing Trust Fund and the 4th R program. I won't go back into detail on that because they've done a good job onto that. And, and I'm also looking forward, and I heard you say, Mayor, in July about the $112 million with the American Rescue Plan. Um, so that will be our opportunity to really talk about uh, your two focuses on uh, homelessness and housing, and then other focuses that we can use that money for as well. Yeah, correct? it's not my only focus, but I'm just, just suggesting that it ought to be a primary focus. Gotcha. Well, couple of areas that I want to focus on today um, as it relates to the Department of Violence Prevention and uh, the ability to uh, 
that is a, a area that I have focused on since I've been on the council. And we've been dealing with the $1 million in that area of trying to do gang intervention and prevention. And we said at our meeting where we really had an opportunity to discuss this, that we know that that's not enough money. Would this be the time to start talking about trying to add to that? Or would there be? No. I, I think the time, I mean, any time is appropriate for a elected representative, as I said, to talk about the budget, to try to work the budget, change the budget. My suggestion is that we take the American Relief Plan Act opportunity where we're not going to be able to do anything. And I know I, I signaled housing and homelessness, but I also believe, as I know you do, that one of the issues a couple of weeks ago with our difficulties, our controversy in the, in, around the gang prevention issue was that it was only a million dollars and the need is greater. Exactly. So I, I, I'm be prepared to suggest that when it comes to that $112 million that, that youth and gang prevention has to be a part of our investment strategy. Um, and, you know, but I think the, the opportunity to have that discussion and debate is after we pass this budget. And, and I might agree with you on that as well, because um, I think it's a good time to have the discussion anytime. We know that a million dollars is not enough. Yes. And yet uh, we've got organizations that are waiting for us to move forward to continue this work. And especially with the violence that COVID has presented. Uh, the increased amount of violence because of COVID, it's probably even more important now to focus on the Department of Violence Prevention and try to see what we can do to increase that number um, and not necessarily wait um, on the American Rescue Plan money. And that's why I'm having the conversation now is because I think uh, th there is a sense of urgency now to move, to do something more than the million that we have on the table right now. I agree with you, but part of, we have not yet resolved the issues surrounding the first million dollars in the Correct. RFP. Correct. And Correct. you and I have talked about, um, we're going to resolve those in a positive way with our community and, and um, our entire city family here. And I think we do that in the next week or two. <laughs> we will be in much better shape to actually define um, how we want to spend the next million dollars. Um, it, so it, we're talking about several weeks here, I think, in terms of the difference on RFP. I just would like to do it when we have resolved some of what went down uh, a couple of weeks ago. Great. So, so are we saying that we will have that workshop that we talked about yeah, before, so that's for the summer break. Yes, I think Jude, we were looking at the calendar actually, Scott White and I, and I think that June the 29th um, might be uh, an avail good available date for the uh, uh, the workshop on violence prevention. I, I don't want to commit to that, even though I just said it publicly, but <laughs> I think we're that that. I think that's what we want to shoot for. Yeah. And if we don't have it then or before the 29th, then it won't happen until after we get back from the break. Yeah. But, we'll I, but I share your urgency. Okay. 
I share your urgency to have that workshop. And, and, and that's a public workshop. And as you know, um, in our respective offices, we are having a number of conversations to, um, to address some of the, some of the issues uh, that were raised a couple of weeks ago and to move forward on a pot, you know, on a much more positive footing. Okay. All right. So I will plan for before the break for that conversation and yes. planning accordingly. And I think June 29th, I think it'll work, by the way. I do think great. June 29th will work. So. That's great. And then I just, we, at the last conversation we had on the budget, we talked about the deferred maintenance, the unfunded deferred maintenance, and the amount that we had in un, un, unfunded deferred maintenance. And I'm trying to figure out uh, what part of the conversation we can have and when we can have that as far as trying to figure out how do we cut into that number? Our parks being one of our greatest resources that we have in the city of Sacramento, how do we cut into the unfunded deferred maintenance that has been on the books for years? So I'll take Don, Laney, city manager. Sorry, Howard. I was just gonna say one, one thing that I would like to share in, in an effort to start addressing the deferred maintenance in our parks, in the resolution this year, we did add authority to carry over resources from Measure U. The YPSI has typically had at the end of the year and direct those to deferred maintenance for the parks, as well as our aquatics facilities. So we did, did ask for council authority. It is in the budget resolution for the first time this year to allow for that. In the past, it's been a you know two to $3 million. And so, if council approves the resolution as proposed, that is our start to finding a funding plan that doesn't take away from anything existing. It just allows them to use resources, whether it's because of vacancies or you know that we didn't need all, didn't use everything that we had budgeted, um, and use it for deferred maintenance. So that is what the beginning of a funding plan for that. Uh, sure. Can I can I also add? Um, there's going to be a conversation on June 15th, looking at the reduction plan from police, and so I do think that this also is an opportunity as a council to discuss how, if we do do some reduction elimination, that we can redirect some of those dollars to uh, parks and deferred maintenance. So it seems like there is still some possibility. Um, if someone can confirm this or not, or let me know if I'm wrong. Um, let let me know because my understanding is that there is a reduction plan on the table that's going to be discussed um, and so we could redirect some of those dollars to deferred maintenance and yfc and parks that's correct there are two reduction plans one for police and one for fire yep both will be heard by the full council on the 15th okay up, up for discussion correct yeah so the urgency that council member jennings brings up i think one i think it's great if we have it that workshop you know gearing up for art, but it looks like there's also Councilmember Jennings an opportunity to have this conversation on June 15th as well as we talk about the reduction plan. So I agree. Totally agree. Good. Okay. And then the last thing uh, for this conversation, uh, and then I anxiously wait till June 15th to have more conversation is um, I want to go back to the measure you recommendations. And I specifically want to speak to the $1 million in participatory budgeting that we um, have allocated for them. And when I do the math of dividing $1 million into eight districts, I'm trying to understand what do we expect to get for the $1 million? What kind of um, 
results do we expect to get? What kind of impact do we expect to see? And I'm just trying to understand that. Do we have a vision for what we can get for that million dollars? Should that be directed at one district or should it be directed at the all, all eight districts, which I think it currently is, or at least that's what people believe. So I'm just trying to understand that a little bit better. So council member, I'd like to, I'd like to respond to that. Um, I've had numerous conversations, both the public and um, in private with uh, the leaders of the Measure U Advisory Committee about participatory budgeting. As mayor of the city, I wholeheartedly embrace the philosophy behind participatory budgeting. Namely, that when it comes to the major decisions that this city council makes on where to spend the public's money, that we ought to have a much more organized and formalized process for community engagement. I'm all for it. But there is a definitional challenge here that has not yet been resolved. And um, I'm happy to resolve it, but I'm not sure that everybody is ready to. If the idea of participatory budgeting is for the community, the organized community, to make a series of hard and firm recommendations to the city council about how we should spend a set aside pot of money for inclusive economic development or any other category. And yes, put the rightful pressure on us to follow their recommendations and to organize and to say, this is what the community believes. I'm all for it. And I would go above a million dollars. I would go to $15 million. If though the expectation is that we are going to delegate our full authority to, to the community to make a decision about where to spend the city's money, then I am not comfortable going above the million dollars until this has been tested and proven as effective. And I can give you many scenarios where I have some concerns about starting out with something larger than a million dollars. For example, we all, this city, there, there's a culture change in the city. It's a sea change, it's a positive change. We are investing more money than we ever have before in our community. You are elected, as we all are elected, to make the tough decisions that balance one priority versus another. And so if we were to give $15 million or $8 million to the community and say, you tell us how we should spend it, and we have no say in the end about uh, the ultimate budget decision, what if the community says you should spend more money in one part of geographic part of the city than another? What if the community says among the categories of compelling need, whether it's youth, affordable housing, um, gang intervention, small business assistance, the community says you should divide it 60, 30, 10, but you believe as an elected official, it should be divided 30, 30, 30, or 30, 30, 40. 
In other words, what would be healthy for our city and our democracy is if we use participatory budgeting and funded it to help the community actually organize um, a people's budget to organize it with enough resources to make it meaningful and then deal with us as partners, do the creative tension and push us. But ultimately, I'm not comfortable not having tried this yet, turn over $15 million and just say, you spend it on whatever you think and, and we get no say. So I'm willing to do that with a million dollars because I think that's worth, really worth an experiment. But 15, I would do more than 15. And I would make that process real in the way that Deborah Otto Kent and, and others have envisioned it. And I would fund the community to, to be able to organize in the right way. But ultimately it has to be a collaborative between the community and the elected officials to determine exactly how the money should be spent. So I know that's a long answer, but it's at, you know, just like with some of the other issues we've talked about recently, there's a core definitional ish problem here, not a problem, but a, I don't even know if it's a disagreement, but it's a, it's a point of ambiguity or difference that we have not decided. I just gave you my opinion, mm -hmm. um, but others may have a different opinion. I know when we talked about $15 million in mid-year, I said my opinion was we shouldn't do that because I was looking at that $15 million for the housing trust fund. And it only ended up being 31 million instead of closer to 50. You know, so there are choices to be made here. And I don't want to just completely cede our our, vo our voice or our authority. Yeah. Mayor, I, I have some thoughts on that. Um, and I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think, you know, as, as you were explaining that for me, I think as an elected official, the community is us. You know, we govern with and for the people. With and, and for, right. Yeah, we govern with and for the people. And so, you know, one million, I think that is great first step, but I do think, which I think one million is a very small portion of the, our full budget, right? Yes, yes. That budgeting really allows citizens and folks to discuss and identify and help us prioritize our dollars, um, our collective dollars, right? I, I don't think it takes power away from us as electeds because we are governing um, with and for the people, but this also allows an opportunity for citizens to really take ownership also of the budget. I mean, even if it's $5 million, which is more than 1 million, it's a small dent in the budget of our larger budget, right? And I will bet you, Mayor, that the priorities that the community comes up with are gonna be priorities that we also care deeply about as well. And so I'm not, um, worried about increasing it to 5 million or 8 million, right? Um, maybe my colleagues, we all have different perspective on how we govern with and for the people, but I actually see it as an uh, incredible tool to really engage the community um, in the in the budget process. And so, um, you know, if, if there are opportunities as we're looking at the reduction plan from departments like the police, 
I think it really allows us an opportunity um, to, you know, have collective power with the people as we govern, um, saying, hey, we, and I, as a city council member, will sit in those meetings to hear how the community is deciding yeah. those funds, right? That's, that is our responsibility is to be a good steward of community engagement as well. And I think it's, I think it's powerful to see them in action saying, hey, this is how we want to spend our dollars. There's a lot of power in that. Um, and so if there's opportunity to increase that, I am absolutely in full support. Obviously, I would love the 15 million that our committee, committee members that we have all appointed, I would love for us to have $15 million so that there's tangible dollars, something they can actually do something with. Um, but I am okay to negotiate with the council. We can get to 5 million or eight. So that's my comments. Thank you. I mean, I, I would, I'm all for the partnership that you describe. I just think it should be a true partnership and not, um, not ceding the absolute and final authority over millions of dollars because that's what we're elected to do. And I, we might disagree, but it's not that big of a disagreement. I just think that, um, you know, part of the issue is trust here. There are members of the community that say they don't trust us and therefore they want the power to decide how to spend the money. I say we've got a much better opportunity to build trust if we are pushing and pulling each other as we do do in our, in our politics. And I'm willing to go the next step and formalize it in a way that requires the city to listen even more to to the people's voice. But I want to put the incentive on all of us, the elected officials and the community, to have to work with each other and to build, to build up some of that trust that may be lacking. And I think there's a way to do that um, without, while, while maintaining some authority over how the dollars in the end should be spent. So. Rick, you want to weigh in on this? Uh... No, I just, I'll make my final point on it is that, um, in my opinion, a million is too low for eight districts. In my opinion, 15 is too high for a process that we've never put in place. Um, but in order for us to get to a point where we can go 15 or more, whatever the number may be, we, we need to get started and we need to be intentional about what we hope to get out of it. So with the million dollars that we're going to put on the table now, or that's on the table now, I think we need to be intentional as far as what it is that we expect to get and how. And if in fact, we really don't know how to do this, then let's bring in the experts that do know how to do it so that they can inform and teach us. And then we can move forward with this and build a true partnership and collaboration with our public. So, I just want to put that on the table because I, I'm, I'm now of the opinion, if I'm going to get my $150,000 in my district and that's all I'm going to get, there's nothing I can do with that that's going to help my district. I understand. I do. And it's not necessarily intended to be divided by eight either. It could be a citywide, a, a major citywide project. True. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's so, all I got. Okay, thank you, Councilman. Great discussion. I want to make um, one final comment, and it goes to the trust issue, and it is a reiteration of something that I know I've talked to Don Holm and Laney and the city, Laney Milstein and the city manager Howard Chan about, 
And I think we're going in this direction, but I just want to put it out there one more time because I think it's that important. There are members, there are members in the community who do not believe that we have lived up to what I call the measure you promise. Of course, that means different things to different people. To a lot of our folks in the public safety world, they think that there was no promise made to the community to spend uh, most of that money, or at least the second half cent on the community. There are folks in the community who think that all 50 plus million dollars of the second half cent should go to community and economic development. And oh, by the way, we should revisit the first uh, half cent that was passed before I became uh, mayor of the city in 2013. And the problem, we have a problem in the way we collectively have presented all this information because as I've said before, Measure U is the general fund and the general fund is Measure U because Measure U was a general tax. And so we're spending a lot of money on youth, inclusive economic development, uh, housing, homelessness, climate change, above the base that we were spending prior to the passage of the second half of Measure U. I don't want to take credit for anything we were spending before that. But when that second half cent passed, we are now spending more in these categories. But the problem is that it's being reported out of the general fund instead of Measure U. And so the Measure U committee looks at the balance sheet and sees a bunch of money for traditional law enforcement out of Measure U, money from the general fund for the community, and they understandably say, what's going on here? We have spent $119 million above what we were spending prior to the passage of the second half of Measure U on all the things that the Measure U committee and the community wants. That's about $40 million a year because it's been about three years, three plus years since the passage of you. That's pretty good record. And it doesn't even include the CARES funding, which was $80 million. And it won't include the American Relief Plan Act money, which we're gonna mostly spend in the community. So I wanna make sure that our budget team and our city is taking all of the investments, again, no credit for anything we were spending prior to the second half of Measure U, but all the investments since then in the categories of community and inclusive economic development, not everything in community, inclusive economic development, disadvantaged communities, and put that under the Measure U expenditure plan, please. So we get appropriate credit for $119 million of investment that's a huge trust issue, huge trust issue. Because if people believe, if the community believed that that $50 million a year or so that we, that we have gotten into the city since the second half of measure you passed, not only saved the city budget, saved the city budget, but we were also able to use it to invest more in the things that people are crying out for and caring about guarantee you this participatory budgeting discussion would be different too. So some of this is on us. And I just really want that to be either a formal part of the resolution or, or just be as clear as can be about, about doing that going forward. Yeah, Mr. Okay. Mayor, I, 
I can add that into my motion moving forward on, Please. on categorizing that uh, as well. Uh, and then when you're done, I do have one clarifying question I need to ask. Okay. And if I could just state real quick, Mayor, that, you know, this is already in the, you know, this is something we have discussed and it is something we've discussed with the Measure U Committee. And if the council wants to make a motion that on a go forward basis, we realign Measure U and General Fund to more appropriately reflect the intent of the second half of Measure U as the community sees it. And based on the categories we've discussed, we can build that into the approved budget with council's direction. Yes, please, 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 please. Yes, Eric, would you please? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I, the only thing I'd yes. ask is that as we as we move forward into the next, uh, and I'll say the mid-year budget, that uh, uh, that staff work with the budget committee here on the appropriate uh, uh, way to convey this, because I I appreciate all the detail work that's here, but um, you know, if, if I took the budget to some of my community meetings, I'd have to take take one meeting to, to describe how the budget works, and then the second meeting to take get into substance. So I think we should be thoughtful about how we present the budget in, in that manner. Okay, is that part of your motion then? Yes. Okay, thank you. As as Don Holm just described it, because I think she put it very well. Yep. Okay. Um, very good. And just one clarifying question, Mr. Okay. Manager. Yeah, uh, on the, you know, on the issue that I brought forward to the city manager on the diversity of the fire department, uh, I saw the supplemental staff report and it did, it did also ask questions. Uh, I did also respond to options from what I think I believe Councilmember Shanir had asked about how do you how do you uh, address the budget controls moving forward in the next two years? Um, but is the staff uh, how is the staff reflecting the change in, in attempting to address the uh, uh, the the, the diversity efforts for the fire department in this budget moving forward? I'm sorry. Could you clarify the question? Yeah, it, so it's it's confusing the way I looked at the staff report. It it shows options on how to uh, how to how how to budget the department, uh, but it isn't clear whether that the, the program is moving forward in the budget. The diversity program that the, the chief Lewis presented on this last week. Council member, at this time, the diversity plan the chief presented is not in the budget. We would have to find resources to be able to fund that plan. Well, let's hold on. Let's let's let the chief come on. He's just coming on screen now. Good afternoon, Chief Loesch. Uh, uh, council council member, I, I believe when you see the two options, that was the options. I, I We came up with two options here at the department on how to reduce our budget from the request that was given to us. Both of those options have the uh, diversity outreach program included in it, where it, it actually reduces what we presented uh, a couple Tuesday nights ago at council. It reduces on that on that request, so we get within the reduction that I've been requested to show for the department. Right, but the the chief, when the first response was, "What's what is in the two two? and Don is correct. That two two is not currently in the budget right. that is before right. you That's today. That's that what was correct. unclear here. Okay. Yes. Um, as, uh, thank you, uh, Lainey, and thank you, Farky. So um, let's let's move forward. I'd like to meet before the 15th to talk through um, this and how we create a, a step forward. I think it was a good program, but it's one that 
um, that I think we need to figure out how to how to uh, build it in, uh, if not phase it in, but figure out how, how we do that. I have some concerns about it being um, uh, a little top heavy on the, on the administration, but I think it is a, a, a good path forward to give a lot of people opportunity with some, some more specificity. So if we can meet uh, Chief bef now before uh, the budget so we can discuss this in more detail, I'd appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Uh, I think we do have a motion on the floor now. And yes, second to forward the budget with the amendments uh, detailed by Council Member Guetta and seconded by, I don't, I forget which Council Member Vanger Jennings. Um, let's call the roll, please. Thank you. The second was by Council Member Jennings. So, Council Member Guetta? Aye. Council Member Jennings? Aye. Council Member Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Okay. We will look forward to June 15th and the wrap up of the budget. Is there anything else to come before the committee? Uh, Mr. Mayor, I think uh, Councilmember Jennings and I have a, uh, a request to um, uh, uh, for um, the city auditor. Okay. Do you want to take this one on or, or do you want me to describe this? Please go ahead. Yeah. So we'd, we'd like to ask the city auditor to look at, uh, uh, there's been questions, I guess, on, on the, again, on the advanced piece. Uh, I'd like to make sure that we look at, there's been a recent study done, but I'd like to make sure that our city also does an audit of the, the, uh, the successes over the last uh, three-year programs and process improvements for advanced piece. Um, and if you could work with both Councilmember Jennings and I on uh, um, on that, uh, so that we can get some uh, some data for uh, for regarding the uh, the program. Okay, so just so that I understand correctly, um, what you're requesting, you would like our office to look at advanced piece and identify some performance metrics that we would be able to assess on whether or not they've been able to achieve their goals and objectives. That's correct. Did I did I outline that correct, Mr. Yep. Councilmember Jennings? Yeah, that, that is correct. And it, there, there have been ser several studies that have already been done that you can take a look at, Jorge, to kind of get an idea of how they've been evaluated. And I think for the purposes of our council and for the general public, we need to better understand uh, whether they've been successful or whether they have not. What, what is the current status of the implementation of the program here in Sacramento and what impact has it, has it made? or not made. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I will schedule a meeting with both uh, the Office of Councilmember Guerra and the Office of Councilmember Jennings to make sure we scope out um, that type of project. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank you. Okay, um, is there anything else to come before the committee? So, Mr. Mayor, I do have two callers for matters not on the agenda. Oh, you do. Yes, please, thank you. May I have my first caller, please? Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Uh, good evening. This is Brenda Ruiz from the Sacramento Food Policy Council. Um, just bringing forward an announcement that was made today by the USDA and the Biden administration and their commitment, that's the U.S. Department of Food and Ag, their commitment to invest um, up to $5 billion new dollars through December 2024. 
in food systems resiliency. Uh, the Sacramento Food Policy Council, with its uh, dozens of partners, respectfully requests that as part of the ARPA discussions uh, coming up after the June 15th budget, um, and we uh, go to have discussions around how that second half of the ARPA funds will be spent, that a healthy and resilient food systems fund be created and that it be funded to support resilient food systems and not simply emergency um, emergency food programs, which we are excited to see continue and, of course, are morally and very necessary to maintain our businesses and our uh, Sacramentans fed. Uh, resiliency and the ability to come out of the pandemic um, with uh, growth and ideation and goals and objectives created at the community level for generations to come are very important. It's something that is highlighted um, in the other work that we are engaged in in conducting food system assessments as well as environmental justice work. Also want to pin for the group, as I have on other calls, that December of this year, the environmental justice um, uh, piece will be chaptered into the GPU, um, and that's a very important update. And without knowing the budget before you that you'll be discussing um, next week completely or understanding it um, very well, um, I'm not sure if there are dollars to even implement any of the ideation in the environmental justice pieces that we'll see in December. So two important Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? We look forward to the discussions on the $56 million in ARPA funds to happen after June 15th. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Hi, committee. I uh, really wanna uh, give props and much appreciation uh, to Council Member Bang for uh, lifting up the need to really include uh, people within a participatory budgeting process. Um, and to the mayor and anybody else that uh, uh, feels uncomfortable about giving up uh, seating authority on budgeting, I'd like to remind everybody uh, on this committee that your budgeting authority is not yours to give out. It is actually belongs to the people who delegated this authority to you to operate on their behalf. Participatory budgeting is not about you seating authority for anything. It's actually about uh, sharing that authority with the people uh, in the communities that you serve. It's designed to empower people uh, in a with a democratic process uh, to allow community members to decide how we spend real money, which is real power from a part of our political budget or part of our, our budget. Now, the process for it is very simple. First, you design the process through a steering committee that represents community to create rules, the rules and engagement plan. You brainstorm ideas through meetings and online tools with resident, where residents can share and discuss ideas for, for, for budgeting projects. And then you develop proposals using volunteer budget delegates or committees to develop these ideas into feasible proposals. And then residents participate and vote on these proposals that most serve the community's needs, which might I remind you, all of you are part of that community. So therefore, you, of course, would get a vote, but it would be shared with the community members that you serve. And then from, what, like from the round of votes that happen and the projects, the ideas that get lifted up and the proposals that get lifted up, the city, like the city would then implement those winning ideas and fund them. It's really a straightforward process that you're, it feels like 
the mayor is making a little bit more complicated than it is. But again, not your authority to give. Thank you for so your really comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Yes, we really need participatory budgeting. It's not hard to do, and it's, and I'm glad to hear that you support $15 million for participatory budgeting. Thank Please you for your comments. Happen. I have no more callers, Mr. Mayor. Okay, thank you very much. It's really good and important discussion, more to be had. Um, if there's nothing else to come before the committee, uh, we are adjourned. Thank you.